You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad. And on September 30th, uh, Canada's National Day of Truth and Reconciliation, the, a reading, a public reading of the executive summary of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's report started in Dublin. And the reading will continue over a number of weeks. And it'll take up to 20 hours to read the important document to completion. So, um, as I said, it, this is the reading is happening in Ireland, and we're going to find out what is the interest in this report, the Commission's report, and what the initiative is all about. James Kelly is here with me. James is the Executive Director of the Ireland Candy University Foundation. We'll also talk to James a little about uh, initiative Trastman Adanta, which is an annual period, uh, event or uh, time where an effort is made to promote the Irish language. James, thanks a million for coming along. Uh, my pleasure, Austin. Th- thanks for having me. So why would a group of people gather virtually uh, in Ireland to read through the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's report? Uh, that's a very good question, Austin. Um, and I should say, so there are readers here in Ireland, but we're also, it is virtual uh, so online and so we have readers from Canada as well so it's kind of part of what we do our foundation is connecting Canada and Ireland and we, we're always looking for ways to do that that kind of inspire and kind of engage many people and of course you know looking from Ireland to Canada and looking to the relationship that we're looking to develop when we consider Canada of course we have to consider the indigenous peoples of Canada and their whole culture. And it's something that's a kind of a relationship that's personally inspired me and kind of excited me o- over the last number of years. And um, it's worth saying that, you know, I'm very aware that the story of Ireland and the Irish settlers in Canada, um, certainly there, there's an aspect of Irish uh, moving to Canada in the past centuries that was involved in colonization. You know, and all the horrors that we know that were perpetrated. Um, and that's something that we, you know, we should never forget. But the other aspect that, that I'm kind of looking at and that it, it interests us is that, um, the island of Ireland was settled by the same empire that settled uh, Canada. And, you know, as your listeners will will know, that here on the island of Ar- on the island of Ireland, we had our native language spoken widely. It was uh, it still is spoken here, but it was spoken widely across the island before colonization. We had our music, our beliefs, storytelling, all of these kind of systems that thankfully are still still with us. Um, but colonization over the centuries has certainly eradicated the, langu- the language as a kind of primary uh, language of, of the land in terms of usage. And so that's kind of the connection that we're looking to, we're looking to build with uh, the indigenous peoples in Canada, that kind of connecting around, um, you know, native language and culture and music. And uh, so for a few years, uh, I've been working, started off working with the Grand Chief, uh, a Mohawk Grand Chief called Joe, no- Joe Norton from Kahnawake, just outside Montreal. And he came over to, to Dublin for an event. And we had this kind of 
event in the Canadian Embassy, and it was very formal, and it was it was a special event. He was the, the embassy treated him as a you know visiting dignitary uh, with great respect. Um, but what really captured his imagination was we went to a Donahue's pub uh, in town at lunch afterwards, and we were accompanied by Liam Wainley, a musician uh, from the Hot Ass Flowers, but a really one of our foremost traditional musicians as well. And so we went into the back. Do you know Donahue's Austin? I remember it. It's been I don't spend as much time in the streets of Dublin as I used to. <laughs> yeah. So this is a famous pub. This is the pub where the Dubliners met in the 60s. It's right. kind of one of the famous kind of folk music pubs. And there's a really great, if any of your listeners are ever in Dublin on a Friday at lunchtime. Baggett Street. Baggett Street. Baggett Street. Or Baggett Street. Baggett yeah. Street. I, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not sure if it's there. Hopefully it'll resume shortly after COVID, but there's just this lunchtime session there in the back room and it's just beautiful music. And it's um, people of all ages from all backgrounds. They come in there for an hour at lunchtime uh, and play, go through the, through the tunes and, and they're speaking Irish. So we, we brought Grand Chief Norton into this environment and he realized uh, you know, for him, that was one of these light bulb moments because, you know, we were in the embassy and it's all very kind of formal and, you know, whatever. But when he w- sat in a session uh, and, you know, there was a pint of Guinness in front of him there and one o'clock in the day and seeing this music and he's hearing, he was asking me, what are these people speaking? And I said, oh, that's that's Irish. That's the language. And it was that moment, I think, that he realized, OK, there's something here that's kind of special that he could connect with. And I had a kind of a, 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 a quick story. I had a similar, he, he invited me, I was over in Montreal to a dinner in the St. James um, Club in Montreal celebrating one of the uh, the chiefs from the Mohawk um, community, the work that she'd done for, uh, for Montreal. And I was put at a table with a group of, um, uh, from a, a group of Mohawks from, uh, from Kahnawake. And this, I don't know if you know, St. James Club Montreal, it's a beautiful kind of uh, old, I suppose, traditional gentleman's club. You know, there was bagpipes playing and the mayor was there. And, um, but I have to say that the fun or the crack, as we would say, you know, that I had with the Mohawks at the table, it was just really reminded me of an Irish kind of gathering, that kind of irreverent humor. Uh, I hardly knew them uh you know, 10 minutes, but they're already getting the slags in, if you know what I mean, kind of teasing me in a playful way. So, yeah, it was just, I just feel my experience and, and the experience that we have from Indigenous coming and connecting to Ireland, there's a, there's a lot there uh, that we, we kind of engage around uh, and, you know, uh, space for kind of friendship and connection to develop. Um, and so with regard to the TRC then, you know, the, uh, again, maybe not all of your listeners in Canada they certainly will know about this, but the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was set up by Canada um, to uh, to look into and to, uh, make a report on the residential school system in Canada that uh, um, kind of traumatized generations of Indigenous people, took them from their families and took their language away. And so it's a very traumatic period in in the history of Indigenous peoples. And the Canadian government, in recognising that, 
commissioned this significant report with recommendations how to how to how to uh, make reconciliation for everything that's been done. And it's a very ambitious report. It's a very important document. Um, and uh, and it's a document that should be read. And so coming back to our organization, Ireland, Canada, University Foundation. So we have over 500 scholars, who half of whom have been Canadians, and we have Irish people who spent time in Canada. And we're looking at this report, and we're also noticing that there are certain echoes of what's happened in Ireland, in the school, in the uh, Magdalen laundries and the mother and baby homes here. So there, there are traumas that, uh, that have been visited on the past generations here in Ireland, um, that, that are similar to those that were, uh, visited on the indigenous peoples in Canada. So looking at this document, we're saying, well, what can we do? We can just read it. It's 500 pages long, and it's it's a really significant piece of work. And so uh, on September 30th, Canada's National Day of Truth and Reconciliation, we began this online reading. And we had the Irish Ambassador, uh, Eamon McKee, Irish Ambassador to Canada, um, uh, helped open the event, as did Nancy Smythe, Canada's ambassador to Ireland. And we read it for about half an hour on the 30th, but it's going to take about 15 hours to read, maybe 20. So we're meeting every Monday um, online on Zoom. And everyone's welcome to come along just if they want to watch for five minutes or 10 minutes just to see it happening. Or if they'd like to, to read a section, we'd really welcome uh, anyone. While you were chatting there, <clears throat> it uh, reminded me, <clears throat> I'm going to share a little piece of music, uh, and you'll recognize it, and I'll tell you after we... <laughs> Now, I'm sure you recognize that. I do indeed. Well, I heard that being played by an Inuit at a First Nations conference here in Ottawa, and I got a CD. And I went up to him and I said, uh, piece of music, where's it from? He said, old Inuit piece of music. Wow. And he was playing a squeeze box. Wow. And I said, well, what about the... Accordion. I said that was introduced to us many, many years ago, uh, many years ago, back in the uh, early 1900s or something or thereabouts. So, of course, uh, he calls that piece of music Cumberland Sound. Right. Which is up in Iqaluit. Wow. We know it as the Irish washerwoman, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the... the um, the, the the relationship and what uh, yeah. you said the connection with the the First Nations uh, mm. the Irish have had a long history and a long tradition with the First Nations and and uh, been involved yeah um, <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean I, you're familiar we spoke about it just before going recording the the Choctaw Nations um, connection to Ireland so the Choctaw are in southern states but during the Irish famine the Choctaw um, 
going through such traumas themselves, but they read about the Irish famine and made a collection. Uh, I think it was, was it a thousand, 500 euros or something? It was a huge amount of money, huge it amount was, of money relative at the time. Yeah, and sent it over to Ireland. Yeah. Because they saw the, the starving, uh, starvation that was happening here. And, uh, that's a, there's now a, a sculpture uh, down in Middleton County Cork, really beautiful uh, yeah. outdoor sculpture. Yeah. commemorating that and and I think there has been kind of exchanges since then uh, so these are long kind of long standing connections and that's that's why uh, yeah that's why we're reading the TRC it's kind of solidarity and support um, for the indigenous peoples but also you know for the people of Canada who have um, you know the, the you know the the everyday people of Canada who are just horrified, you know, to 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 learn what has happened. Now, of course, the indigenous people knew all of this was happening, but they had no way to kind of voice this. They just were so disempowered. Um, but I think what Canadians are realizing is, uh, and we're, you know, in dealing with uh, our counterparts in Canada, they're really um, horrified and 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 seeking reconciliation ways to. To, to make some reconciliation. So that's, you know, that's what we're looking to support. Um, before we move on to Trasna Downt, I just want to give credit to the uh, musician that was involved there. It was uh, <clears throat> Simeone uh, Kinanak, it's uh, K-E-N-A-I-N-A-K, was the musician playing Cumberland Sound. Uh, but uh, And the album he put out there was also called Cumberland Sound. And wow. to wrap up on this little section, landspeak.ie, is where the details are. Uh, that's on Zoom on Mondays, 7 a.m. Pacific, 8 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. 11 um, Atlantic, and oh, sorry, are we p.m. or a.m.? Uh, 3 p.m. Yeah, Irish. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the Zoom coordinates are also on there. So that is again landspeak.ie. Trasnada Downta on Changabio. Shine often, yeah. The trust trust down to me. It's there's another tune now you might play at some stage. It's a song. Uh, the words mean trust it down to means across the waves. And uh, as people will be familiar, so many Irish songs about overseas are about songs of loss and emigration and the great sadness around that. Trust in the down to is a song about returning. It's a coming back over the waves back home, and so. A good few years ago, uh, the work that our foundation does connects Ireland and Canada through you know, the Irish language. We have an Irish language program. And we have learners from Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal, um, the Atlantic provinces. Over the years, thousands of people have come through learning Irish in the universities and communities. I'm sure you've met some of the learners on mm-hmm. Easter, Austin. Yeah. Um, um, I just yeah. little share a little piece of Trustman down to here, and this is John Spillane's version. And of course, this was a song we all learned when uh, we were at school as yeah. uh, part of the curriculum. Yes. <laughs> Yalvek, the lad of hearing 
um, with, with it there. But uh, of course, John Spillane has done great work in putting some of those old school songs out. And the Cassidy's, Orona Cassidy is also a wonderful collection of the, the songs we all learnt at school. Yes, that's right. And so that's, yeah, so this song, I have two children, uh, they're getting a little bit older now, but they were in school, um, primary school there, and that was one of the songs that was in our house all the time, you know, in the last, say, five or six years. And um, I was just thinking, you know, that we had all of these Irish language learners in Canada who were really excited to be learning the language, you know, and they might be, say, in the University of Ottawa for a year or two, surrounded by teachers and students and then they're they leave and they've lost that connection you know to the everyday Irish that they would have had in university and I was just kind of wondering how can we keep people connected and how can we use the internet to keep people connected to offer the opportunity so I just had this idea for it's a week-long event and this year it's running in December um, and it's a it's a it's a week where we invite people all around the world to send a tweet of Gaelga now, which means in Irish. Uh, and so the thing about the Irish language is that lots of people went, grew up with it, learned it in school, but can't really speak it. And there's a kind of a sadness about that. But anyone can send a tweet, Osgeilge. You know, we can just use Google Translate. So for those five days, we invite, um, initially I was thinking just our Canadian learners, and then we thought, sure, let's just connect around the world with it. And it's been massive. We had, uh, we've reached about 8 million people over the last number of years. Um, and Austin, I know you've been very helpful sending out tweets off Gaelga. We've had tweets from government ministers and. Yeah, Neil Shiro Jacker, uh, on Fada August on, on, well, Neil Bullshan Shin and Ishak on It's putting the, yeah. the accent on the, the vowels is for those that aren't familiar with the keyboards, <clears throat> of course, just holding down on a device. When you hold down the letter, it offers yes. you the different, the different accents. And <clears throat> again, the difficulty a lot of us would have is that I would actually be more capable of speaking rather than writing. Right. So yes. where the father might go uh, oftentimes is the challenge. It is. But the thing is, with with Trust and Adanta, um, we, t- you know, there's Irish of all levels and abilities. And I think in terms of keeping a ang- language alive, um, uh, and I've seen this with the indigenous peoples, with the Mohawk and other nations. There can be a certain shame if you can't speak your language properly, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the ter- that's a terrible thing, you know. And that that comes from colonization as well, you know. The language is seen as being kind of something that's inferior and whatever. But like, there is a turn now in Ireland, as you know, Austin, that pe- people are so proud of the language here, you know. And the uh, the Irish language immersion schools are just flourishing now. I'm delighted to say my both my children can speak better Irish than me. Um, so it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a brighter future for the language now, I think. You know, what's interesting is that when you say that about colonization, the English language is an interesting language because one word can have about 10 meanings. Whereas in Irish, you can have 10 words for the same thing because of yeah. the subtleties of the difference. And dialects as well. Yes, but just that mm-hmm. it so, can be so precise in its description. Whereas, you know, you get, for someone learning English, the, the, the challenge can often be that the same word can have four different meanings yeah. that are totally are 
thrown from all different angles. But uh, this year, trusting yeah. it down to what week in December are we talking about? So we're from the 6th to the 10th. We're looking to launch from Croke Park. Okay. And so what people need to do if they're interested is we're doing it on Twitter and on Instagram. And okay. it's just, if you, if you, you can, if, so for example, as you have last year, also you, you, you write it, your tweet in Irish mm-hmm. and it can just be like the simplest of things. Tom A. Iganada. I'm yep. in Canada. Yep. And then, you're, and you do your hashtag. Now what the hashtag trust and if you put the hashtag in, your listeners have probably heard of this and some of them are very familiar with it. That kind of brings you into a kind of like an area where all the other people uh, tweeting with that hashtag can see and kind of follow each other. So it's a way of kind of, um, as we see it, connecting people who want to use the language. It's also a way of just publicizing to people that this language even exists. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, like I said, we've had 8 million people who have seen tweets with Trasnodanta hashtag. So I suppose for a lot of them, they'd, be, they'd see this, like, oh, what language is this? And then they click on it, they say, so it's kind of like publicizing the language, celebrating the language, using the language. Um, we had, uh, last year when we ran it, we had um, mindfulness sessions in Irish, um, yoga sessions. We had, uh, during the week, uh, we had traditional music session. Um, so we'll have more of these kinds of things. And I, actually, two years ago, we really focused on getting tweets from different countries. And we got mm-hmm. tweets from 106 countries from around the world in the Irish language. Um, places like Greenland and Trinidad, Brazil, uh, Hong Kong, countries I've never heard of. Uh, you see little tweets. So it's, uh, that's great, great fun. Yeah, yeah. And it shows, it shows the reach of where the Irish have, uh, yeah. been and are around the world. James, we're going to wrap up. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you. And again, the, uh, website we were talking about earlier is landspeak.ie. And the Irish language Twitter week and uh, Instagram week is December 6 to 13. Did I get that right? 6 to 10. So it's Monday to Friday. Yeah. Monday to Friday, 6 to 10. Okay. We might run into, we might go into a bit of overtime and run at the weekend. Uh, I'm sure that we won't get. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. James, thanks a million for taking the time. Grameen Margaret Austin.